to the Raptors Report Podcast with Josh Lewinberg and Ryan Wallstadt. Welcome to TSN's Raptors Report Podcast. Josh Lewinberg joined by Ryan Wolstadt of the Toronto Sun. This is the and was after six months, 102 games, 66 wins. It's all over. It's over. It's over. It's over, ladies and gentlemen. Apologies for that. The Raptors' best season in franchise history. And it's not even up for debate at this point. Not even close. Come on. They, they won a seven-game series for the first time in history. Then they won another for good measure. And then they took the Cavs to six games, which is impressive considering no other East team was even able to beat the Cavs once. So, you know, I think it's a hugely successful season. And not to mention you you have Kyle Lowry making the All-NBA third team. You have him and DeRozan both being All-Stars again. Lowry a starter. You have uh, the BioSteel Center getting built. You have the D-League team getting established and no hiccups, even though they had to get it all done really fast. And of course, you had an All-Star weekend successfully hosted. So it was, yeah, a hell of a year. The greatest year ever in Raptors history. We're going to go an hour today because obviously there's a lot to get to. Um, we'll certainly look back and have the post-mortem conversation, but I, I think we'll keep that brief. Um, it, obviously, the success of this season has been well-documented, and ah, success is boring, right? As they say, uh, the, the conversation now shifts to the offseason, and everyone, of course, is um, looking forward to see what the Raptors do. If this was the Raptors' biggest season of, of franchise history, then surely this is going to be the most crucial summer of Raptors history to see how they um, grow, how they take the next level, how they evolve um, from here. Um, I want to maybe start by, we'll get to a lot of Ask Waz questions as well. We got a whole bunch of those this week. Um, Are there maybe two or three moments, games, points of the season that stand out in your mind looking back yeah you go way back to beating what was it okc and then uh was it san antonio i know it was so far back can't remember when they beat two really really good west teams back to back on the road back in november i think dallas was it dallas Dal- and dallas and okc yeah. to yeah, prove I mean, that was the first kind of serving notice that hey these guys you know are maybe better than uh, everyone gave them credit to coming into the year obviously that was a huge one and then, I mean, there was other good stuff in the regular season, but I think obviously beating Indiana in Game Seven was huge. Uh, beating, cr- crushing Miami in Game Six or Game Seven was was huge, and I think Game Four against Cleveland was one of the uh, biggest moments in the history of the franchise. I mean, you yeah. tie up the conference finals like nobody saw that coming. I mean, the the entire American media, like every everybody, had written the Raptors off and said they were done. And then they come back and tie that series. So I think all those are are huge moments. I mean, what what stands out for you? Um, the the win over Cleveland at oh, home yeah. Yeah. And, end of February. Lowry goes off for for forty three, and I think that at that point the Raptors were were thirty nine and eighteen. So clearly they were legit. I think a lot of people um, that had been watching them all year long. Um, they were believers already, but for um, the the casual fan or, or folks around the league. Uh, that turned a lot of heads. Um, it also won them the season series with the Cavaliers. And, um, yeah, I, I think game 
game five against Indiana, that fourth quarter comeback. Oh, yeah, that's probably number one, maybe. (laughs) I mean, when I go back uh, a couple minutes ago and say that there's no debate, this is the most successful season in Raptors history, there would have been an awful lot of debate had they lost that game because that fourth quarter, a, a poor decision by Frank Vogel to leave Paul George on the bench to start the period Um, that moment may have been the difference between what was an incredibly successful long playoff run for the Raptors and and what could have been another first round exit which would have been devastating for this team yeah exactly and that's great tells you how how fine that line is because if that happens does Dwayne Casey come back? I yeah. mean, most people don't think so. No, regardless of what Masai says after the fact, the, the speculation was he would be in big trouble. Obviously, now he's going to get a nice extension and good for him. He's done a great job. Um, would would they have been as anxious to sign DeMar DeRozan? I don't know. Would they have blown it up and, and you know, be almost probably not a priority if if that happens? I mean, so many things change, and it's, it's crazy how it could all just... All because of a 12-minute like stretch. Yeah. More or less. And then, yeah, I mean, the Cleveland series game four, that win that no one saw coming. Um, Even the end of game six, uh, the game was lost. The series was lost. No one was especially surprised, but um, the Air Canada Center was still buzzing. Uh, Fans on their feet chanting, we the North chanting, let's go Raptors, the standing ovation for Lowry and DeRozan as they come out. And uh, this sort of segues perfectly, I think, into the offseason conversation because the reality when you have a season like this, when you're a good team, a great franchise, is uh, it it shifts over. Things shift over to the business side of things pretty quickly once the summer rolls around. And the reality is you you lose people. You lose good people. Um, I, I think... The Spurs are sort of a great example of that over the years. Uh, coaches, front office execs, the, those, yeah. those guys are, are always in demand. The Spurs over the years, they've lost um, Budenholzer. They've lost uh, Brett Brown, uh, Sean Marks, uh, and now a, a couple of their assistants, Udoka and, and Messina, are all up for jobs as well. And then um, players that overachieve, that um, that surprise people, that um, contribute to a, a winning cause basically overprice themselves or can overprice themselves out of your situation. Uh, Corey Joseph with San Antonio is a great example of that mm-hmm. in, in order to take their next step and, and sign LaMarcus Aldridge. Joseph was basically a, a casualty of war and the Raptors mm-hmm. benefited from that. So that's where Toronto finds themselves now. Now they're, they're assistant coaches, um, are all in demand, um, and some of their players, some of their well-liked, well-regarded players won't be back. That's just the way that it is. It, it's a good problem to have. It's a problem that the Raptors haven't really had in, in 21 years of existence. Yeah, it'll be interesting what they do with the coaching staff in particular because, I mean, everyone expects Andy Greer to be reunited with Tibbs in Minnesota because they're so close and they've gone through so many wars together but uh Kalaman, uh, you know that's not a done deal from what what i've heard he really enjoyed in toronto he goes back with casey as well i mean he you know he kind of feels like he's found somewhere so i'm, I'm not entirely convinced he'll be gone despite the yeah. river mill and he's become knows, real so. close with kyle lowry as well yeah yeah so but they'll have to replace greer most likely so that'll be interesting that's a lot of defensive stuff there that they're gonna have to uh figure out 
you know, Bring last year TV they went Tom. after a few guys. There'll be guys available and they'll find someone. Bring back TV Tom. There you go. Um, all right. So a few parameters. Let's deal with the facts, the reality going into um, the offseason conversation. I think the first one, first and foremost, DeMar DeRozan, the cost for DeRozan is a max contract. Um, yeah. Perhaps he, he takes a small discount. Perhaps there's some room for negotiation in order to bring him back. But um, that that's not really up for debate at this point. If, if I mean, Masai was a little bit noncommittal on whether or not they uh, were willing to give him the max the other day. But he also indicated that the top priority is to bring him back. And he knows the cost of doing business with, with DeRozan at this point. If you're willing to bring him back, then you're willing to give him the max. Yeah, the only thing I could see, maybe he uh, Masai comes to him and says, look, DeMar, we're going to – we're going to need to surround you. We know you want to win. That's your priority. And we're going to need to surround you with good players. So maybe since we can offer you the fifth year that no one else can, maybe you do a flat contract instead of the 7.5% raises every year. Maybe he just gets 25 million a year for five years and that's it. Maybe he agrees to that. Like I can't remember if it was Carmelo or there's been other guys, Tim Duncan, Dirk, Dirk's the main guy. I mean, he took a huge cut, but there's been guys, even Dwayne Wade to make the big three happen. There's been guys that have been willing to sacrifice a few million here and there. Uh, to make it happen. So maybe it's something like that. They convince him. I'm not sure that's, he's still making more in Toronto than anywhere else in that scenario, but maybe not quite the the full max without all those raises, but maybe there's some creative way to make it happen. As for the salary cap, uh, the expectation is that it's going up to 92 million this year. Um, And then the tax threshold is usually what, like 10, 12 million for that. Um, the Raptors cannot sign both DeRozan and Biombo at their expected price tags outright. Um, they, it can't be done. Um, so if you're going to do it, it's going to take some creativity, as you mentioned, either um, dumping salary elsewhere or convincing guys to take major discounts. And even the discounts, I mean, Biombo uh, on the radio had mentioned that He's willing to take a hometown discount. First of all, I'm not sure how much he's thought that through, and I can't imagine his agent is especially thrilled with that comment. Um, But, I mean, second of all, even if he takes, maybe he thinks that his his version, what what he'd be willing to do is take an extra, take one, two million dollars less. That's still not going to be enough for the Raptors to sign him outright. Um, And then I I think another important thing to consider here going into this conversation is – a lot of people wonder whether or not the Raptors would be willing to go into the tax to play to pay the luxury tax if the opportunity presents itself. They're not able to do that with Biombo. They don't own his bird rights, yeah. so they can't go uh, above the cap into the tax in order to sign him. And, and the way it, it works is you can't go into the cap to just sign free agents at, at will either. Um, uh, Masai ha- has said that. They, he has the commitment of ownership to go into the tax um, if the opportunity presents itself, but it likely won't this year. It likely won't until Lowry um, hits free agency next year because you can only go into the tax to re-sign your own free agents, uh, assuming you have their bird rights. Exactly. So it'd be incredibly difficult. If you move a Terrence Ross, then you're talking for just draft picks and no salary in return. Then you open up a window 
uh, to bring back both of them. But do you, you know, a team that's lacking shooters, do you trade a guy who's technically your best shooter? I know he's very inconsistent, but stats wise, he shoots the highest percentage. He has the prettiest form. You know, when he heats up, he can hit six in a row or something like that. I know there's all the other issues, but and people think maybe that extension for Ross is crazy money, but when they see what people are going to get in the new, it's just it'll just be average. It'll be what it is. So I think it's very tradable. But the question is, do you want to do that? You open up a hole. I mean, do you want to have Biombo and Valanciunas making thirty million between them of a ninety-two million dollar cap? I mean, that's when they can't play together most likely. And I mean, I don't see how they could. Uh, so I mean, that's a big question. And then you don't have money to shore up the wing spot. What if Demar Carroll gets hurt again? I mean, I don't. I just don't think it's, it makes sense. As much as it's hard to see them not having Biombo, every I think they need him. He's the spirit of the team, as Casey says. He's their best defensive player. He does so much. But if you're going to roll with Valanciunas, I just don't see how that works. Which is another interesting question. I mean, I'm not. If you bring back DeRozan and intend to keep him, I'm not sure he'll ever be a great fit with Valanciunas. That's a whole other question. What do you do there? Yeah, I mean. I'm a little bit more inclined now to say that you can move forward without DeRozan after the playoffs. And that has more to do, in my mind anyways, with what I saw from Valanchunas than what I didn't see from DeRozan. I mean, DeMar was up and down in the playoffs. He had his good moments. He had his his bad moments. Um, But the fact that Valanchunas was able to take that that jump at such a crucial time of the year – his ceiling has never looked higher than it does right now. Um, his future is bright, and I, I'm not sure that he can reach that ceiling, at least offensively, um, on a team with a healthy DeRozan and Lowry. Um, but uh, Masai also indicated that uh, the team is ready to give him a bigger role, that Casey is ready, that the players are ready to give him a bigger role. I, again, I, I don't like, – like you, I, I'm not – Sure, I see that I see that happening, or how that could happen, unless again DeRozan changes parts of his playing personality that I don't think can be changed. But I, I mean, the Biombo conundrum is interesting because even if you do manage to find the space, um, it, it, let's say you dump Ross in that scenario. I think a, a misconception is you'd have all this money to work with. You can sign Biombo and then still have some money to, to make additions elsewhere. No. It, it wouldn't work like that. You would no. essentially be, even in that scenario, Biombo would have to take something of a discount mm-hmm. and you basically be replacing Ross with Biombo. And that creates obviously problems. Or Powell has to be Ross. Yep. And, and you have to address shooting somewhere. Um, the problem is, and, and this has always been a situation, this has always been an issue. Um, the Raptors were fourth this, this year in three point percentage during the season. Mm. But as we've talked about all along, it, it, is they really only had four, maybe five legitimate threats from beyond the arc. I say five, and that's assuming that everyone is healthy, which they weren't this year. Uh, Carroll was out and Scola sort of replaced him in terms of being that three point threat. But that was an addition that he made to his game this year. And, and um, he fell off quite a bit in, in, in the playoffs, uh, to say the least. Yes. That's an understatement. Um, so you, you don't have you don't have a lot of shooters to surround um, somebody like Valanchunas 
with on this team. And that's, I mean, in today's NBA, that's a concern. You look at the the great shooting teams in the NBA, you look at the Warriors, and they have a whole lot more than than three or four shooting threats. Basically, everyone on the floor is a shooting threat. So uh, Masai made an interesting comment yesterday about being creative with the power forward spot. And one of those solutions that a lot of people have, have sort of jumped to, one of those conclusions is, well, maybe Biombo can play the four. And there's a whole bunch of reasons why that's not something that the Raptors looked at this year. That's not something that I think can be done, Not at least not on this team. But in today's NBA, you can't use a, a lineup that has three non-shooters on the floor at one time. In, in this case, it would be Valanchunas, Biombo, and DeRozan. It would be a disaster. And then you, you look at the, the fact, obviously, that DeRozan and Lowry rely so heavily on, on getting to the rim yeah. um and to yeah, have two, two big guys, guys clogging it up yeah exactly, exactly. people talk about uh, biombo's flexibility ver- versatility defensively but it actually it's not even on the defensive end where i think that lineup would be th- th- such a disaster it would be the offensive end where they'd have a lot of issues to deal with playing biombo at the four even if you you bring him off the bench and have him play some at the four there um it, it can't be done not not of DeRozan's back. It, I mean, maybe on another team that's that's filled with shooters, perhaps, but I I, I just don't see it happening. So I, again, how much are you willing to pay two players at, at one position that you have forty eight minutes to a lot to? Um, it, it's not like Lowry and and Joseph at the point guard position that can overlap. You 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 can't play them together. So I, again, it's an unfortunate reality. It is what it is. Um. I used last year as an example, uh, Amir Johnson, uh, a longtime beloved Raptor, Lou Williams, the sixth man of the year that had a great season with the Raptors. These are guys that wanted to be back. They were disappointed that they weren't, but these are decisions that have to be made if you're going to um, move forward and not only keep your core together, which I think is something that's important to to Masai, but also um, to allow your roster to evolve, to build off of what you've done. Yeah, it's going to be be fascinating to see because he's not like a Brian Colangelo or some other guys would just keep their guys. They don't really like parting with them and it bit Colangelo, you know, by keeping Bargnani for too long, obviously. Jiri's never been like that. I mean, he's, he's, he's rode with these guys for a while, but they've rewarded him with continued success and getting better and better. But in Denver, he would sign a guy only to trade him to keep that asset. You saw Nene, uh, there's uh, there's other guys. He you know he doesn't like losing the guy for nothing. So it'll be interesting to see if you know maybe they sign Demar and then in a year or two they look to move him. But I'd be surprised if they just let him go for nothing. But but Ujiri's ruthless ruthless like that that he will he'll sign a guy to keep the asset and be willing to move him later on. The uh, Raptors report poll question of the week, our final of the season. Uh, what should the Raptors' top priority be this summer? Uh, pretty split, actually. Um, 47% of our um, 700 voters say uh, get DeRozan locked up. 46% say acquire a starting power forward. Obviously, uh, a priority for the Raptors this year, although it's going to be tough to do. Um, and then a mere 7% say find a way to keep his. I, I think people understand the, the, the situation. Obviously, everyone would love to see Biombo back. Um, but... I mean, if you're Ujiri at this point, the pressure shouldn't be to find a way to keep Biombo. 
um, the pressure should be to go out there and find the next Biombo. Um, that that's what made I think Biz so valuable this year is the fact that you were paying him three million dollars. The fact that there were no expectations on him coming into the year that it was basically found money. Um, and this is sort of where uh, basketball's money ball um, comes into play, where um, if you're building a roster, especially around a few guys here now with, with DeRozan and Lowry and, and Valanchunas, whose extension kicks in, um, you've got to find cheap pieces, cheap, valuable pieces to, to build around them. Um, you've got to find diamonds in the rough, hidden gems. Um, that's something that they've done now with – Second rounder Norman Powell, who's making eight hundred thousand this year, um, that that in and of itself is going to give them some flexibility this year. It could make Ross expendable. I think it does make Ross expendable. Um, and then they're going to have to go out and find guys in free agency that you can plug those holes with. Something that Masai did last year with Biombo and Luis Scola, paying them a combined six million dollars. Um, do you see a guy out there now um, that could fit? that mold somebody that if the Raptors are looking to fill out the roster with minimum to $3 million or four $5 million, even mid-level exception type deals um, that you can add um, that might pay dividends in a year from now. Off the top of my head, no, um, I haven't really scoured the free agents to be, but every year there are guys that pop up last year. There was like Brandon Wright and Costa Kufos, good rim protector guys. I mean, there'll be guys that pop up. There'll be interesting names in the draft. Deontay Davis on Michigan State has the potential to be a great rim protector in time. It'll be interesting to see if they go that route and sort of tread water with Bebe. But, I mean, Bebe has the length to do it. I just don't know if he has the attention span and uh, to, to the be durability, in the both mentally and physically. Yeah. I think that's been the biggest issue with him. The biggest question is his toughness physically and mentally um, here and there, I, I think absolutely. If you can plug him in more this year than you did last year through stretches, if there if injuries hit or even for depth purposes, I, I think you, you you need to going into his third year. You need to get a better look at him to figure out what you're going to do. Perhaps even Bruno as well. But um, none of the not, neither of those two guys are ready for any kind of real yeah. rotational role um, on on a winning team. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's the conundrum. I think if you're Masai right now, the needs are pretty clear, clear. You're, you're good at the point guard spot, obviously with Lowry, Joseph and DeLon, um, assuming DeRozan's back and I, I'm going to assume that DeRozan's back. You're, you're good at the two, um, with DeRozan, um, and, and then both of, or one of Ross and, and Powell. Um, so you're going to need a, a backup three behind Damari. You're going to need a starting four because I, I think the team has sort of figured out that Patterson is better suited for them off the bench. Um, and then you're going to need a backup five if Biombo's not back. So those are your three positions. And and to do that, you've got um, the ninth and 27th overall pick that you can use to select the player or to um, trade uh, and pick up an asset that way. Um, and, and then you, you have very little money to work with. Uh, the Raptors are in a unique spot here this summer where uh, most teams have a boatload of cash to spend. The Raptors, for the most part, um, they've got assets, but they've got to be a little bit more creative with what they do. I think fortunately for them, 
they, they've got a lot of bright minds in that front office between Masai, Jeff Weltman, Bobby Webster, uh, Dan Tolzman. Um, they've, again, uh, pulled rabbits out of the hat in the past. Uh, last summer, going out getting Damari, finding Corey Joseph, Biz, Scola. So um, th- there's going to be... There's going to be some challenges this summer, but again, I think these are the guys that you'd feel comfortable making those calls. Absolutely. The rap. And I mean, it'll be interesting to see if they lose any of these guys. I mean, Bobby Webster has been rumored out there and it'd be hard to see Weltman going because him and Messiah are so close. Yeah. So I think, but you know, if Tolzman keeps making good picks, I mean, he could be in demand, but I guess Webster's the guy you got to worry about now, but yeah, as it is, they're in really good hands. Raptor fans have never been in, this good a situation because you have a really good staff that, as you said, knows what they're doing and sort of sees the forest for the trees and, and plans ahead and for different scenarios. Okay. I'm going to throw some scenarios at you. Um, first of all, back to DeRozan um, percentage chance that DeMar is back next year. 85, 85. Um, I'll go higher. I'll go, I'll go 90. Um, percentage chance that Biombo is back next year. Ten. Wow. Um. Yeah. Somewhere around there, I, I'll probably go a little bit higher. Fifteen, maybe twenty. I Ten. mean, again, I, I don't think it's the right call, but Masai, Masai's smarter than that to to just say, well, this is a guy that I like. This is a guy that the fans like that means so much to the team. I mean, if, if it doesn't make sense money-wise, I, I'm reluctant to think that he'll find a way. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say 15 to 20. Um, percentage chance that they make both the ninth and 27th pick this year 7.5 percent <laughs> um okay so what what do you do with those picks uh are, are you stashing guys are you trading those picks um 29 gets dealt i think nine you have to 27 yeah i think nine you have to take a swing when else are you gonna get a chance to find if you're as good as we just said they are and that they've proven to me in the past, I think you need to find a way to find a Miles Turner or even a Paul George, a Jimmy Butler, you know, find every draft. There's those home runs, a Giannis, you know, they're not all, they don't always go in the top five. Every time there are guys, CJ McCollum, there's lots of quality guys, either all-star or near all-star level guys up for grabs. And you just have to find that. And if you find a guy in a rookie contract that grows into an all-star or close to that, then you're in great shape. And the Raptors absolutely need to do that because if they don't have a true superstar, they need to have as many all-star caliber guys or close as possible. So I think to me, I, I don't trade that pick. I mean, I know a lot of people want to see it traded with Ross, but unless you're getting like a Paul Millsap, which I can't see happening, I just, I don't do that deal. It's got to be mighty tempting yeah. for Masai and company to, to make that pick. Um, if I'm not mistaken, that that's the highest that, Masai's ever picked. Yeah. Selected. Yeah. Even going back to Denver, I mean, yeah. Masai ha- has um, long been credited for his ability to find guys uh, late in the draft. He's done it both here and in Denver. Uh, Fournier, uh, Kenneth Fareed in Denver. Um, obviously, uh, Norman Powell here. Um, now he has an opportunity uh, drafting in the top 10, as you mentioned, to find a guy that um, 
can potentially um, really make a difference. Yeah, I'll um, give you another guy. They, Clint Capella was the next, apparently the next guy. If if they decided to gamble that Bruno would go later, they were going to take Capella most likely. So that's yeah. another guy. He's going to be the starting center in Houston next year, most likely. So, um, but I, I I think you I think you've got to try and move the pick. I think they will try and move the pick. Um, the goal is to win now, and yeah. beyond that the bottom half of this roster, at least the bottom third of this roster is very young. And that that's Masai's goal. It was since he, he, he got here was um, to fill that the, the bottom third of the roster, the back end of the roster with high upside young players who could pay dividends down the road, who have uh, smaller contracts rather than what the, the situation was here before with veteran guys on bigger contracts that felt that they should have bigger roles at the end of the bench. Um, now you have two uh, former rookies in, in DeLon and, and Norm, two former sophomores, soon to be third-year players in Bruno and Bebe. Um, you definitely can't afford to add two more young players. I don't even think you can afford to add one, um, especially a, a, a guy that Again, a top ten guy that you, ideally you want to get those guys big minutes when they get come into the league, and, and I'm not sure that you can do that. You probably can't do that unless you find a, a real NBA ready talent. So um, you have like to balance, any- though. I mean, you you need to think that maybe this window is a mirage, and this is your best chance to get a guy. I don't know. I mean, it depends what's on the market, but to me, well, that's just it. I, I think. That the biggest difference to me between a, a Masai Ujiri and, and a Brian Colangelo, let's say, or a lot of GMs that um, sort of get something in their in their mind and and are are pretty sold on it. Um, Masai is pretty patient, pretty flexible, um, and he's re, he's sort of reactive to the market. So if even if his preference is to to move this pick. I don't think he'll allow himself to be locked into that preference. If something's not out there, the same way that we we talked about with the last few trade deadlines, if something's not out there, then then absolutely you make that pick. Here's the question. Here's just a random thing. If Boston says we'll trade you Kelly Olenek for nine, do you do that? Oh, interesting. Um, No. No? Do you? If he was healthy, I think I would, but he's just had a lot of injuries, uh, so that would worry me. But I think talent-wise and skill set fit with Valanciunas, he's amazing. He he became a good defender magically this year, and he's yeah. already one of the best shooting bigs in the league. Like I think he'd be a really intriguing player, but the shoulder stuff just really scares me. But I do think Boston's going to be moving some bigs, maybe Sullinger, because they need to figure it out there. Sully's a free agent. He's a restricted free agent. He's one of the guys, and I'll throw some names at you. I have a list uh, of potential... Bargain guys, uh, not the big names. We'll talk about the big names because we have a lot of questions, a lot of ask wazes on, on the likelihood of the Raptors going uh, to make a big splash uh, in terms of those parameters, the realities that we wanted to get to earlier, that we did get to earlier. Mm-hmm. You can throw the fact that Kevin Durant is not coming here into those realities. Come on, he's a Raptor fan growing up. <laughs> well, no, Gravis isn't here anymore. He's going to go uh, to Milwaukee yeah. now. Um <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. no. Kevin Giannis will be kind of ridiculous. Yeah, well, KD is not coming to Toronto, but we'll talk about those other guys, uh, the the big names. Um, in terms of some of these other um, guys that might go under the radar, um, Jared Sullinger, Raptor killer. What do you think of him? 
in terms of as a raptor or yeah. in general what no in terms of as a raptor i'll throw some names at you and you tell me um, tell me if you see yeah, a fit. He's, uh, he's intriguing I, I worry about his eating and um the defense with him and jv but as a fit yeah. offensively he'd be a great fit he can score inside and out i mean i just don't know if you know he's gonna you're probably gonna have to give him 12 13 14 15 million a year i'm not sure if i'd be comfortable doing that all right uh the lithuanian connection Donatus monte yunus <laughs> an rfa again the 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 injuries scare me i love him as a player he'd be a nice fit him and jv are friends you know even though jv makes jokes about him i think sure it goes both ways mm-hmm. they, they crack jokes about each other because they've played with each other in lithuania for a while I think it would be a nice fit. Again, he's a guy that can score inside and out, but Detroit rescinded a trade because of his back. So is the guy healthy enough to play? I don't know. I'd be wary of that. But if if you can get him for cheap, I would I would take a risk. But, I mean, I just don't know cap-wise how do you make that work. I mean, I, he, he'd intrigue me. He's the type of guy I'd be looking for. But I don't know. Yeah, Again, I mean, I'm trying to find guys. The, the thing is it's so tough um, with the salary cap going up the way that it, it's about to. Uh, I'm not sure there's going to be too many guys that you can find out there and, and get for whatever, three, $4 million, like Biombo or Scola last year. All, all these guys might end up getting um, a boatload of money because there's just going to be so much cash out there and so few deserving players to soak it up. Um, I don't know. Jared Dudley, long time. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind target for the Raptors. It's a, a nice depth guy, especially if you move a Ross. I think he could step right in, and I guess he's more of a three-four at this point than a two-three. But I mean, yeah. he could step in and and do something. I wouldn't mind him for cheap. Myers Leonard is a guy that he, he's a restricted yeah, I feel like free he's agent. Overpaid. Well. I mean, he's yeah, he's he is what he is. But I feel like Dwayne Casey favorite. <laughs> I feel like he's going to get too much money. Uh, Mo Harkless. I like Harkless a lot. I'd be. That that could be a guy, a Maasai guy. You know, I'm sure the analytics look pretty good on him. And he's a lot of potential. He's still pretty young. He, he was one of the youngest guys in his draft, I believe. Um, yeah, I'm in, I've always been intrigued by him. All right, I'll throw one more name at you, um, and then and then maybe we'll take some ask wazes. Uh, no, it's two more names. Uh, Mirza Teletovic has come up recently as well. What do you think of Mirza? Yeah, you know. Slight upgrade over Scola, sure. Why not? <laughs> All right, we started with a Canadian. We'll end with a Canadian. Uh, restricted free agent Dwight Powell. Well, I think Dwight's going to get paid way more than he's going to get. Really? Toronto. I think someone's going to pay that man. Yeah. How much yeah. are we talking? At least six million a year. I mean, or maybe you know, I think someone's going to give him the full mid level, whatever it is, five point whatever. I think yeah. maybe someone gives him more. I mean, he. If if someone's looking at per minute what he did as a rebounder, you know, defender, scorer, he's a guy that's going to be able to stretch out and hit threes. I think he's going to do pretty well as a free agent. All right. Um, some bigger names, perhaps. Um, Nick Batum is out there. Al Horford is out there. Um, Cody has asked, or first ask was question, can the Raptors afford to sign DeRozan and Horford? What would they have to do? And I guess you can replace Horford with Batum there as well. Is there a scenario in which Masai can work ma- some magic, um, give DeRozan his max or near max, and go out and sign one of those other um, all-star caliber free agents? Not that there are many of them. The only way I can see is you'd have to trade Valanciunas and Ross for uh, cap space and picks. That's the only way you'd be able to do it. Yeah. 
I mean, for yeah, for, for both. Um, the the only other scenario is is you decide to move on from DeRozan and, and yeah. go after a Batum, which I mean, uh, they're they're two very different players. Um, I'd be all in favor. I've been pretty clear on that. I mean, yeah, so, as much so as the I meant to the franchise, Batum's a much better all around player. I'm not sure. Um, he he is much better all around player. I, I'm not sure that Masai sees that as an upgrade. Yeah. I, I really think the Raptors value DeRozan higher than they do. Batum, um, but even if you even if you did want to make that switch, that would be very tough to do. The Raptors would have to be pretty darn sure that they could sign Batum to abandon the DeRozan plan. Yeah. I mean, the word gets out in the NBA pretty quickly. Yeah. Quickly, even if you're the Raptors and you keep things pretty uh, um, pretty close to to the vest, um, if you even for a day or two, uh, starting July first, uh, pursue. Batum at the expense of giving DeRozan the attention that I'm sure he expects. Um, that could be costly, assuming then that you you lose DeRozan and, and Batum decides to go elsewhere. Um, I, I, maybe I, you do both, though. You say, look, you make it right. clear that we're doing this if DeMar leaves for somewhere else. Like, we're meeting with you to cover our bases, blah, blah, blah. Even if that's not even your real intention. You exactly. Say, that's sort of what they did last year. Remember when they were at wasn't so much with with Lou and with Amir, but with all those guys that they were trying to recruit, yeah. Aldridge and, and Wes Demari. Matthews and then Damari Carroll, the, yeah. the sales pitch was we're trying to get everybody. And whether yeah. or not that's true, at least that um, protects the egos of players that that don't want to be uh, mm-hmm. prioritized less than than others. No, that's, that's true. All right. Uh, let's go back to um, the pick. Um, Nathan Goodwin wants to know if the Raptors keep the number nine, who is Waz's early favorite? <laughs> um, what do you like Waz? I mentioned Davis. I like him a lot for Michigan state. I mean, he's going to take time. And again, we went into, are they going to take the time? I like all the young guys. I mean, Marcus, Chris, uh, the young intriguing guys. Cause again, I just think you need you, the only way you're really, going to move the needle and be a contender long-term is if you find a guy. I mean, the only other thing is maybe if you don't take a gamble on one of the younger guys, the Scala Bissier is another guy. I'd, I'd be very scared of him. Do you take a, an older guy? I don't know. Like, I tend to like the young guys that have – the young athletic long guys that have a lot of growth, you know, potential. The only other thing is if you, if you look for a senior, like a – but I mean, this isn't like I think Buddy Heald will be gone, and I'm not sure if he's too one-dimensional or not for a team that maybe doesn't have enough defense. I'd be worried. So I mean, I, I'd go with Chris or Davis. Probably would be my choices because I think reaching on a guy who's been at school a long time is will be a bit of a reach. Like I think they're going to want a guy that's ready to play right away, but I don't know in that range if there's anyone that that really fits. Well, that's the conundrum, right? Because I mean, unless, it, it, sorry, more, unless you let Demar go and Buddy's there, and you draft him, and he's your Demar replacement. I mean, that's yeah. interesting. Then you have a three-point gunner. That'd be really interesting. I don't think Buddy will be there. Uh, yeah, I doubt it. The problem is, I mean, if you're taking a power forward, especially the, the ones that you're talking about, these young, high upside guys, the likelihood of you being able to plug them in. Um, to well, the they won't play next the starting lineup, let alone uh, no. the rotation. Yeah, they 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 won't play. So. Yeah. You still need to uh, find a starting power forward, and that's basically that number nine pick might be your your best asset. Is probably probably is your best asset to work with. Uh, again, I 
I think Patterson is a great player, a valuable player. They, whenever they've used him in the starting lineup, it hasn't worked. And I'll, I'll throw out the caveat there, of course, that they haven't used him. They haven't tried it all that much, or at least not consistently enough to say definitively that it works or that it doesn't work. But there are people in the organization that believe that he's better suited coming off the bench. So um, if you take a power forward that – and maybe you slot him into the rotation coming off the bench, but you also have Patterson coming off the bench. At some point, you need to find the starter. So I'm not sure um, how you do that. Um, assuming, I, again, I hate playing this the, the the trade machine game, especially when you're dealing with draft picks and young players because we don't know what other teams' priorities are or what um, veteran guys might be available for um, younger players' assets like the pick. Um, but when you look at the NBA, when you look at the fours that are out there, they don't have to be available necessarily, but, um, who are your ideal fits? If you could take anyone out there, um, outside of maybe the, the superstars like Anthony Davis and Carl Anthony Towns. Exactly. That, (laughs) that, I mean, those guys are unrealistic and maybe the guys that we might talk about are unrealistic, but who, who are the ideal fits next to Valanchunas? The guys that, if you're Masai, you're making that call and, and seeing if you can, again, pull a rabbit out of a hat. Paul Millsap, yeah. I think, is a phenomenal player. Usually the first name that comes to my mind. Should have been a Raptor. Instead of P.J. Tucker, they could have taken Millsap way back when. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, um, Derek Favors. Yep. Although he's not going to give you the shooting, he is ridiculous and he's just going to keep getting better he's still young he's one of the best athletes in the nba he's a beast i don't know i mean he goes he goes fine with gobert so i think he'd fit with jv although jv would probably have to be that stretch five we've been talking about so those would probably be the two main guys off the top of my head um, sergi baka sergi baka oh yeah yeah he because he can do everything yeah he'd be a nice fit as well um if miles turner's a four <laughs> He intrigues me, but he might be a center. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I, I highly doubt that any of those teams, any of those guys would be in play for uh, the ninth pick and Ross or anything else that you can throw in there. Patterson. Jaleel Okafor. But I don't, yeah. I don't like the Noel fit because I don't think you have enough offense. Um, and he's been injured a lot too. Okafor is the opposite. I think just him and JV would be awesome offensively, but not with DeRozan and Lowry. And also they get killed defensively. So that doesn't make sense. Speaking so, of getting killed defensively. Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin. Yeah. Well, how do you get him? <laughs> yeah. It'd be, it'd be awfully tough. You'd have to probably, yeah, you'd have to trade. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. They wouldn't even want JV because of, of DeAndre, so I don't. You, I just don't. I I don't see a fit there. Yeah, there's no way to do that. Never uh, mind. <laughs> speaking of horrible defensively, um, Kent Driscoll wants to know. Uh, Pau Gasol is looking for a ring. Yeah. Pau is a free agent to Toronto. What do you think? I mean, as a Scola replacement, maybe, but I think he's too slow, and I think he's going to want to try to go somewhere where he can win. And I don't think that's here next year. I mean, I don't see it. I think he'll try to maybe go back to Memphis to be with his brother, maybe go where Jose goes. I mean, I just, I can't see it. And just, I think that's way too slow as a front court. If he's your backup center, sure. Why not? But is Pau Gasol going to be your backup center? That's, I don't think you're going to be able to sign him to be the backup. 
and even offensively, um, the, the ideal fit, these guys that we're mentioning, the fa- favors, um, Millsap, Ibaka, these are guys that can do a little bit of everything that you don't necessarily have to run a ton of plays for. They just find ways within the offense to to have value. Um, Pau is, is one of those guys that even at his age, you probably want to be running um, plays for in the, in the, in the post. Um get him some face-up uh, looks. And, and again, the, the issue with Valanchunas is you just don't have enough of an opportunity to, to get him involved if you're giving DeRozan and Lowry the touches that they've been getting over the last few years. So to add in another piece um, that's going to require uh, play calls and then in touches, um, yeah, like I, I just think – I mean, Amir Johnson and that sort of mold, the, the, the jack of all trades, that's the type of guy that I feel fits into that role. And obviously, if you want to reach the next level, you've got to find the the better version. Um, Rasheed Wallace, prime? Yeah. Yeah, you, you've got to find somebody like that, the, the jack of all trades for um, – that can help you basically on both ends of the floor and, and will complement JV and JV is such a unique player. I, I think he probably would have been a pretty unique player 10, 15 years ago as well. But in today's NBA, he's even more unique and, and to find that uh, compliment to him has proved challenging. But again, it, it, the same way as, as the, the problems that the Raptors face the, this summer, that, that finding a fit next to a, a, a a uniquely skilled big is a pretty good problem to have. Yeah. I'm going to alternative. Yeah. I'm going to throw a one ask was Jeff Campbell asks, how does the media take advantage of this new national interest in the Raptors next season? Uh, to me, it's just keep up with the coverage, boost the coverage, uh, more road stuff, more, more studio stuff, more, uh, just more talk of it in general, just like there's way more Jays talk since the Jays did well last year. I think you just got to keep rolling with it and keep taking advantage of it. Uh, this from Douglas. Uh, th- this is an interesting one. Uh, loudest playoff game moment of the last three years. There's a bunch of them. Yeah. Blow the blow to Miami when things start getting out of hand or tying the series against Cleveland. I'm going to say Indy too. Yeah. No, I'm going to say 2014. Okay, Darren uh, Williams free throws. Darren Williams free yeah. throws. I've never heard it louder in there. And I, I, I think, think it was louder this year, but that was insane. No, no. I, I think, I think there were games overall um, that were louder this year. Um, the, the two against Cleveland uh, games yeah. uh, three and four, uh, as well as uh, no, I think, I think games three and four might have been the loudest games that I, I've ever heard in that building. But in terms of the loudest moment, that five to ten second span with Darren Williams at the line in game seven against the Nets was, I, I think, the loudest moment that I've ever heard in that arena. Yeah, that's fair. I, I mean, I I think that there was louder when they were about to knock off a team, but that was, yeah, that was insane. So that's, that's fair. Um, hmm. From Vanessa, if not the Lakers, who do you see making the biggest run for DeMar? Philly. Really? Oh, yeah. Colangelo. BC loves them. They need a guy. You know, they need a, a guy to, to score. They need a regular season dominant guy. That's what DeRozan is. So, but I mean, to convince him, uh, there's no way he's going to go there. So, I mean, 
I think they'll make a run, but I think really it's only LA or Toronto. I mean, there will be other teams, but obviously like New York and stuff and Brooklyn will woo him. But again, he wants to win. So he has to agree to anywhere. So I think the yeah. only, like, yeah, what contender is able to pay him? Well, that's just it. I, I think that assuming the Raptors want him and they're willing to pay um, the price that he's expecting, I don't even think LA's in the running, to be honest. Um, I don't really think so. I, I mean, he wants to win above all else. Um, would, would he like to play at home? Uh, sure. If they were a good team, I, I think he'd entertain it. Um, but to go there and, and fill Kobe Bryant's shoes at the, at the two-guard spot um, and be part of another rebuilding effort. I, I mean, he, he, he's a guy over the years that have talk, has talked so much about how tough all the losing was on him yeah. early in the career and how gratifying it is now to be part of a winner, especially one that he's helped build and be a part of. Uh, the, the last thing that I see him doing is going backwards and going back to a rebuilding effort and a losing team. I mean, unless, of course, the Lakers go out and, and pull uh, uh, Miami Heat and sign two or three stars, then all of a sudden that maybe that becomes more interesting to him. But right now, I, I just don't see it. Again, um, I, I would be shocked, certainly if the Raptors offer him what, what he wants, I would be very shocked to see him go anywhere. The only thing is if the Raptors decide they're better off without him, which again, I, I, I don't see happening either. Um, is DeRozan a max player? Uh, the, the answer to that question two or three years ago would have been a resounding no, but uh, we have to reevaluate the way that we view max players and the way we evaluate uh, contracts in general now that the cap is changing. And the bottom line is, if you let DeRozan go, you're more than likely replacing him with a guy that'll cost almost as much and be probably more inferior than he is cheap. Yeah. Would you Other rather team... Would you rather pay DeMar DeRozan 25 million or would you rather pay different position obviously, but like Ryan Anderson's going to get like 18 no, 20 million. Yeah, I'd rather pay DeMar DeRozan and then take your chances, see where it goes and if you want to move him, you'll he'll be able to move when the cap goes back up in a year. You'll be able to move him if it's not working. This if is such a crazy a such yeah. a crazy time, such a weird time because there's going to be so much imbalance between uh, the between guys and what they're getting paid, the payrolls uh, until obviously everything just sort of equals out once everyone once Lowry gets paid, once um free agents over the next year, Steph Curry gets paid. But now, I mean, it's amazing to see. You're, you're going to see guys, you're starting to see it now. Damari Carroll is the, the Raptors' highest paid player this year. You have guys that are that are essentially role players that are going to be making 20-plus million and all-stars that are going to be making half that. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think they're in they're in fine shape. They can bring they can bring most of the gang back, not everyone, but and see where it goes in the next season. If Lowry wants to leave, Patterson's a free agent. You can pivot and go younger and build around Valanciunas and and other stuff in the ninth pick or whatever, and, and maybe deal with DeRozan if things aren't working out. I think they've left their options open, or they they re-sign Lowry and Patterson and keep rolling. So they, they have options. It'd be interesting though to focus now on what happens this summer. Um. I'll reword this question a little bit. This is from Douglas, uh, who should be on next year's roster, who will be on next year's roster. I'll ask you for one obvious guy, one name who you would 
bet all of the all of Waz's hard hard uh, earned dollars on not being uh, back next year. Not being back. Not being back. Anyone on the current roster? Jason Thompson. Safe okay. bet. You want me to be a no, 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 no. That's that, that's what I was looking for. The obvious one. So I'll, I'll, I'll my obvious one is James Johnson will not be a Raptor yeah. next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then give me uh, probably a, a, a less obvious name who you don't think will be a Raptor next year. Well, I said Biombo off the top. <laughs> Uh, that's a, right. Yeah, it's a pretty obvious one. Okay, but fine. Miles Miles Miles, I don't think will be a Raptor. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Skull will be back. Okay. I would say that's a pretty obvious one as well. But uh, for my less obvious, I would say Terrence Ross. Okay, there you go. I think he's moved. I think, like I was saying earlier, I just think that Powell, his contract, what he showed this year and his um, skill set, his upside as made Ross expendable and uh, that contract that everyone was freaking out about a few months ago, like you said, in a month from now, yeah, that's going to be looking like something of a bargain once players that are similar are getting in the neighborhood of 13, 14, 15 million instead of the 11 that Ross is getting. And I also think that that's your, in in addition to the ninth pick, that's your biggest trade chip right now. Yeah. Um, This from... Ah, uh, familiar, familiar name. Eric Kareen, Ecor. Ecor wants to know if a Waz Waz is in the forest. That is the off season. Does it make a Waz? <laughs> the Waz always makes a Waz. Um, <laughs> well, we're on that. What about Nathan Goodwin saying? Yeah. Um, what is the Waz's favorite summertime activity other than Wazing? I'm gonna go with basketball. And we got a game tonight. So looking forward to that. It'll be my Thank only you. chance to play for a while because I'll be off to San Francisco and back to Cleveland for the finals. So going to try to get a good run in and try to get rid of this cold that may or may not be ruining this podcast. I didn't even notice it until you okay, mentioned it. Um, all right. Well, it's been a fun season. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you for doing this um, with us. Uh, much appreciated uh, your insight is second to none and obviously uh, this being the only podcast in the city with uh, a couple hosts that uh, spend as much time as we do um, around the team that they cover the team on a daily basis the the hope from day one was that we could bring something to the table that'll be interesting insightful that'll give you a, a look behind the scenes at um, what these guys are like what the team is like what you don't see in a box score or on um, the TV, um, and uh, I mean it, it, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Um, I want to thank our producer Nolan. Andrew Nolan, who does great work, no doubt. Um, and, and thanks to everyone that that's listened along the way, that's contributed um, to the podcast. Clauses, polls, yeah, clauses, the poll questions, absolutely. So um, we've enjoyed it, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next season. Or maybe draft free agency, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> All right, everyone. Enjoy uh, the offseason. Jay Lou out. Waz out, too.